How is everybody today? Yeah? Good. See, that's first service, and we've got some, we've got some excitement going on. Um, I am not going to touch Dave's intro at all. We're just going to let that go. I did ask Rex if he put him up to it, though. Um, he said no. <clears throat> but I want to talk to you today about... We're going we're gonna to talk about some things today, and some things that I share with you today may seem like I'm asking for... Uh, a pity party or for someone to feel sorry for me. And I want you to know from the very beginning that that's not the case. But we're going to talk about some things today in the life of Gideon. And I think we're going to find that a lot of the things that we see in the life of Gideon are pretty appropriate for what we've been through over the last 12, 13 months. Um, how many of you have ever heard the word bully? Have you ever heard the word bully? How many of you are or were bullies in school? (laughs) See, I appreciate the honesty. How many of you got bullied in high school? Or I'll raise both hands. I probably could sit down in a chair and raise both feet too. But what is it about a bully? What do bullies do? Bullies make you feel bad about yourself, right? They make you feel like you're not worthy of anything. They make you... And why usually do bullies do that? Anybody know? Because they can. <laughs> right? Because generally bullies are bigger than everybody else, so they just kind of get they just kind of get their way. And those of us that get bullied, I mean, really, what are we going to do? What the, the uh, people say nowadays that you should just stand up to the bully? Okay. I'm four foot eight, and the bully is six foot two and weighs three hundred pounds. How am I going to stand up to the bully? Right? We, so there's always this, this struggle about trying to, trying to not be bullied or to bully. And, and then what about the people that aren't bullied or aren't bullies? What do they do? They enjoy the show. Right? Sometimes they'll step up. Sometimes they'll help. Sometimes they just kind of sit back and watch. We're going to talk today a little bit about bullying but I want you to think about it for in a different light. I don't want you to think about people bullying each other. How many of you have felt bullied over the last 12 months? How many of you felt like no matter what you do, no matter what happens, you're taking another shot in the chin? Something else is, some, you, you get through one small task, you get through one small struggle, and another one hits you as soon as you get out of there. Anyone else ever, anyone else felt that way? You just, feel like you, you just feel like you can't get up. You, and you, you feel like you're just constantly being knocked down. That's not really a good feeling, is it? It, it kind of gets old. It, it's like being a little kid that gets bullied by the big kid. When am I going to, when is this going to end? When is this going to stop? When, when am I going to actually be able to get some sort of power and strength and be able to overcome this? I want you to look in, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6 and 7. I'm not going really anywhere else. We're going to spend all of our sermon there. But I want, you to, I, I want you to hear the story of being bullied as it relates to Gideon. Because in, in Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 2, and there's a reason I'm starting in verse 2. But beginning in verse 2, and I didn't put it up there, so you're going to have to get your own little Bible out or your phone app or whatever. Because I didn't 
putting this whole scripture up there. But we're going to read through verse 5. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. <laughs> Does that sound like bullies? Did you listen to what? Did you listen to all the things that the Midianites did to the Israelites? Who were the Israelites? Oh, come on, that's a softball pitch. They're God's chosen people, right? They're the ones that God said, oh, you're going to get the land. They're the ones that, remember Joshua? We talked about Joshua. Joshua did a, Joshua crossed the, the river, went in, took over Jericho. Remember all that? So this is God's people. And the Midianites, who are their enemies, have just taken over destroying them. Everything. It, it says that they were running for caves and building building places and mountains and in the little clefts of the rock, anywhere they could find a place to get away from the Midianites. Does that sound like a fun time? Does it sound like they're being bullied? Don't, don't the people that usually are bullied try to avoid the bully? Try to get away, try not to have to deal with them. If I can just, if I can sneak in the back door of the school, they, maybe they won't see me. If I can go to the restroom during class, so they're not all in there while, while they're changing classes. There's all kinds of tricks out there to try and avoid being bullied. And that's what, that's what the Israelites are doing. It's important for us to understand just how bad it had gotten for the Israelites. They were taking everything. And it's actually, if you, if you pay attention as you're reading and reading it again, the, the, the first time it really didn't hit me. But then I read it again a couple of times, and I'm like, man, they, they were just pounding them. They were, they were pummeling them, the Israelites. They were just, every chance they got, they were taking a shot at them. How many of you have, how many of you have struggled before? Maybe this last 12 months haven't been your struggle, but how, how many of you have felt like that in your, in your past? I think most of us have, right? Whether you're in school, whether you're an adult, whether you're an older adult, whether you're, you're a young adult, all of us have experienced times in our lives when it just seems like nothing is good. You just feel like you don't even want to get up in the morning because you're, you're not sure what's going to happen when you get up in the morning. And you're pretty sure that it's not going to be a positive experience. Anybody ever felt that way? I want you to think about the Midianites and what they're doing to the Israelites. The Israelites were running everywhere they could. They were doing everything they could to hide away because they were being bullied. So what do you do when... What do you do when you're being bullied? What do we do when we see that our lives are like that? What are we prone to do? I think most of us blame somebody, don't we? How many, how many of us, when things start going tough and we see ourselves in that, how many of us like to blame somebody? Anybody? 
got to be somebody's fault, right? And it's probably not my fault. Maybe I'm, I might be on my own little planet. It's okay. People have said that before. But, but I think I'm not the only one that, that experiences that. When, when things start going tough, we're always looking for something to blame. So I want you to see this. In verse 6, after all of this bullying goes on, in verse 6, look at this. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Starvation. Can't eat. Got nothing. You die when you starve, right? Yeah, the body has to have food. And then look at this next phrase, because this next sentence is fantastic. And then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. After they've been completely destroyed, they're at the point of starvation. They have nothing left. They have nothing positive going on. They have nothing they can hold on to and say, but at least we've got this. Everything is gone. And then they're like, oh, maybe... If we ask God for help, maybe God will help us. Anyone else? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Anyone know know that feeling? We go all the way through everything. We go through all these struggles. We face all these these problems. And we're like, oh, man, somebody should have done something different and blame, blame. And then finally we get to this place where we're like, hey, maybe God has an answer. Maybe maybe God knows what we can do about this. <laughs> so they call out to God, and God says, this is what I want you to see, folks. Go back to verse 1. Remember I didn't read verse 1 at the beginning? Go back and look at verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Uh Uh-oh. Now, before you throw stuff at me and run me out of town on a rail, I am not saying that every struggle we face is because we've done something wrong. Please don't hear that. But why why were the Israelites in the position that they were in being bullied by the Midianites? Because God had blessed them. He took them across the Jordan River. They took over Jericho. They won all these battles. They destroyed all these people. And then they, were, and then they served God faithfully for the rest of their life. Right? No. no. They said, eh, this, this God thing is kind of a pain. Try, trying to do what he wants me to do. Try, trying to treat people the way he wants me to. Eh, I think that's kind of overrated. So, I, I, so... Let's just let's just put that God guy out of the way for a while. Any of us ever done that? Do we ever get so wrapped up in living our life that we forget that we have a God that wants a relationship with us? Do we, do we ever get so wrapped up in in doing things that make this world comfortable that we forget about what makes deposits in God's world? Does this world ever get more important to us than God? I guess that's the question. Which one do we live in? Which world do we live in? 
Do I wake up in heaven every morning? No. I wake up on the earth. And the earth isn't necessarily all that good of a place. But I want to make the earth as enjoyable as I can, right? This means yes, this means no. We want earth to be enjoyable, right? You want to enjoy your life? Anyone not want to enjoy your life? Wake up in the morning and say, I hope today is miserable. No. We want to enjoy our life. And sometimes being able to enjoy our life here means that we do things differently than the way God says to do them. Right? Anyone agree? And so what we do is we start doing those things that God says, ah, that's probably not a good idea. Or we stop doing those things that God would want us to do, like, like reading our Bible, like praying, like spending time in the Word, like, like spending time listening to praise and worship. We, we change the way. We, and so we kind of we begin to pull ourselves away from God. And at some point, God says, okay, I'm not going to chase you forever. I'm not going to, you want, you want this, you can have it. That's what he did with the Israelites, right? Verse 1. They turned their back on God, so God gave them over to the Midianites to be bullied. How many of you have kids? Anybody have kids? Is it fun the older that children get, the more independence that they want? They want to make their own decisions. They want to, they want to decide different things. And, and so we as parents give them little, we give them little, little things they can choose, is it, right? So when, you're two, when they're two or three, we let them choose whether they want candy or, 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 or a punch in the face. No, not a punch. I'm just teasing. But we let them make little decisions. But then as they grow up, we let them make more decisions, Right? You ever let your children live with their decisions? For instance, if it's gonna if it's raining outside, there's a downpour outside, and you say to your child, "Hey, you should probably wear a raincoat." And your child says to you, "I don't want to wear a raincoat." Okay. And they go outside in the rain. What are they probably gonna want soon? They're gonna want a raincoat, right? And when they ask you for a raincoat, what is your answer going to be? I told you so. If you would have listened to me, you wouldn't be out there wishing you had a raincoat. Get your own raincoat. Right? Isn't that kind of what God did? Isn't that kind of what God does? You see, sometimes in our lives, not always, Sometimes in our life, the reason that we struggle so much is because we've taken God out of the equation. And when we take God out of the equation, then what do we have? Then we struggle, right? Until we get to the point where we say, there's nothing I can do. God, help. Mom, give me a raincoat. God, I need you. <laughs> it always amazes me when people say the Bible doesn't fit today. I mean, this is like, it's almost like Gideon knew. It's almost like God knew we were going to have children one of these days, right? So, so God comes to Gideon. He said, they, they, cry out to, they cry out to God. God says, okay, this is what happened. You guys, I, I gave you everything I needed to give you, but you didn't want me, so I let you... I, I let you go your own way. And I let the Midianites, so... But now because you've called on me, now I'm going to help you. 
And so he goes to get in. The angel of the Lord goes to get in and says, hey, I want you to do some things for me. I want you to take care of this. And I'm going to actually let you beat the Midianites eventually. And, and Gideon says, well, how are, you, how are we going to beat them? You just let us get beat up for the last seven years. So how are we now going to beat them? And God says, it's okay. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to fight for you. And what does Gideon say? I put it on the screen. Prove it. Right? If you really are God, have you ever anyone ever started a phrase with that? Ever started a sentence with that? If you really are God, if you, God, are real, if you, whatever it is, Gideon says the same thing. If you're really real and you prove it to me, sit here and wait while I go. And so Gideon goes, bakes some bread, makes some stew, cooks some, cooks some meat, and then comes back. So I, these are the, this is the way my mind is a little bit warped. Um, what's the angel doing while Gideon is going to prepare all this food? I don't know, is he playing solitaire? I don't know. But, but he's just standing there waiting. And then Gideon comes back with this. And he gives it to, he puts it in front of the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord says, okay, set it up this way. And you can see all the details in the book, in the Bible, if you want to. But he says, set it up this way. And Gideon says, okay, okay, all right, okay, all right. And then the angel, to prove it to Gideon, the angel takes a stick. And he touches this, he, he, he touches this offering that's just sitting on a rock. With the stick. One of the coolest verses in scripture. I put it up there for you in 21. And fire flamed up from the rock and consumed the offering. Fire flamed up from the rock and consumed the offering. It's gone. Where did the fire come from? The rock. Not Striking flint against the rock. Just the rock. The rock just all of a sudden says, gone. Would that blow your mind? If, 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 there's, if there's meat and some broth on a rock and it, you see fire come up from the rock, that'd freak me out. I'd be like, ooh. <laughs> Uh. So Gideon says, oh, okay, uh, okay, all right, I'll do it. What does God have to do for you to prove that he's real? What is it that God could do then you would say, oh, I get it. You really are real. I really am going to follow you. I really am going to trust you. And I guess if, if you can make that rock catch on fire and destroy, okay, you, I got it. I'm with you. Because we always want to ask God, are you really real? Does it really matter? Are you really there? However you word the question, Gideon was the same way. Hey, 
We've been getting our heinies kicked for the last seven years. You're going to have to do something to show me that you actually want me to do this because I'm not just going to step out and get my heinie kicked again just based on your word. I want you to prove to me that you actually are. You see, what we need to understand is God is powerful. God is able and God is faithful. Even when we don't feel that way, even when we don't see it, even when it doesn't make sense to us, and even when we feel like he's gone, God is still faithful and God is still able and God is still present. God was there with the Israelites that entire seven-year period, but they had chosen not not to stay connected to him. God didn't leave. He allowed them. And you see, sometimes, not always, sometimes we drift away from God. And we cry out to God, and God says, okay, I'll bring you back. And we say, well, prove it's you. Okay, I will. So then, okay. So Gideon then goes and destroys an altar. They, his dad had built this altar to Baal. Everyone remember Baal? We talked about him in Elijah when we talked about Elijah. So his, uh, Gideon's dad had built this altar to Baal. He had put up this Asherah pole. So they're, you know, kind of like a maypole, dance around, have some fun. Woo, yay, we love Baal. We love. So they had all these things. And God says, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to go destroy that altar rebuild one with it and then burn it and burn a sacrifice on it to me. (laughs) There's so many little cool parts of this story because, and you'll miss them if you're not paying attention, because after that, Gideon says, okay, I'll do it. You've proven it to me. You made fire come from the rock. You've proven it to me. I'm on your team, God. Let's do this, but let's do it at night so nobody knows. God ever ask you to do something? God ever want, has God ever wanted you to do something and asked you to do something? And you're like, ooh, that's not going to make me real popular. So how about I find a way to kind of do it in secret? Maybe no one will know. I'll just kind of lay my Bible out like this and not really read, not really let people know I'm reading it. I'll, I'll just kind of bow my head a little bit and kind of half close my eyes while I pray because I don't want too many people to know that I'm praying. But Gideon is, Gideon does it though, right? He goes, he, they wake up the next morning, they go, "Ah, who destroyed our altar? It had to be Gideon. And they said to Gideon's dad, Gideon, Mr. Gideon, kill your son because he destroyed this altar. And Gideon's dad says, what do you, you got to fight your battles for your God? If Baal is really God, let, let Baal deal with Gideon. Let, let, let him take care of it. It would have been nice for us to be able to read the story and Gideon see God destroy this altar from the rock. Just watch the fire. And Gideon's like, man, man, God, I'm your man. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And as soon as God says, go destroy the altar, okay, I'm going right now. I'm going to do it right now. I don't care who sees it because I know this is God. But the truth is Gideon still wasn't convinced, was he? 
Gideon was still struggling. He's like, oh, I believe God is real, and I believe that he wants me to do this, but I'm not sure how it's all going to work out, so let's do it quietly. You ever find yourself in that position? God ever asks you to do something, you're like, oh, let's do it in secret. I don't want to be that Jesus freak, dude. I don't want to be that guy that they start talking about. I, I, I don't want them to think I, I'm some holy roller or something. Let's do it on the let's do it on the DL. So then God comes back to Gideon and He says, "Hey, we're going to, you're going to go fight." And, and Gideon says, <laughs> "Well, you're going to have to prove it to me that you're really real." What? 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 What are you, what are you talking about? I, don't you remember the rock? Well, well, God, uh, uh, I'm not. Mm, I know that was pretty cool, but but now we're actually going to go fight. We're, we're actually going to go fight, and it's starting to get real. The, the battle is the battle is coming now, and it's it's coming closer. And Gideon's confidence in God is waning a little bit. And he's like, oh, okay. What I want you to do, God, is I'm going to put this fleece out. It's called a fleece. It's just a piece of wool. He says, I'm going to put this fleece out, and in the morning I want the fleece to be wet with dew, and I want the ground around it to be dry. Then I'll know that you really are God. Then we'll be, we'll be good. We'll, we'll move on. Life will be fantastic. We'll, we'll get this all settled. But, but, but can you do that for me? How many times does God have to prove to you that he's real? When will you actually agree with him? When will you actually accept the fact that God is really who he says he is? How many times does he have to prove it? This is too for Gideon. So Gideon goes to bed. He puts his fleece out there on the, on the lawn he wakes up the next morning, he walks out, picks up the fleece, everything is dry around the fleece, he picks up the fleece, wrings it out, and gets an entire bowl full of water. Okay, let's do it. God, you did this, you got the fleece wet, the ground around it is dry, so we're good, let's move on, right? Let's go fight, I'm ready to go fight now, Lord. Is that what he says? <laughs> it's so us. Because Gideon says, well, that was kind of cool, God. I, I appreciate you doing that, but hey, I don't want you to be mad at me. We're still friends, right? Hey, let's still get along. Hey, don't be too mad at me. Don't strike me. Don't strike me like the rock. But uh, how about we just do this one more time, but let's do the opposite. Because it was possible that the, that the fleece got wet, but the ground didn't. So let's flip it. Let's try tonight. Let's see if you can have the ground around the fleece wet and the fleece dry. And he wakes up the next morning, and the area around the fleece is wet, and the fleece is dry. This is what I want you to hear. God doesn't mind your question. God understands that he doesn't make sense to you. 
God knows that he is so much beyond our ability to understand that we're not ever going to really get God. We're never going to honestly be able to say, I understand everything I need to understand about God. We're never actually going to be able to say, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is going to do everything he's asked me to do, and he's going to, he's going to follow me. There is always going to be some struggle, and there's always going to be some doubt. That's why it's faith. If there wasn't an opportunity for doubt, there wouldn't be an opportunity for faith. Does that make sense? If I can't not believe something, then I don't have to work at believing it. This table is gray. I know it because I see it. I don't need faith to understand that that table is gray. Right? Now, if I were to tell you that there's a, there's a beautiful flower on there, you just can't see it. There's some doubt. Right? What? I said it's there. Why don't you, don't you trust me? That's, that's faith. Gideon had the same struggle you have. God asked him to do something. God put him in a place to do something. God gave him opportunities to do great things. And Gideon said, but I'm not sure. God, I want you to make sure that I'm sure and I want you to prove it to me. It's okay. It's okay to ask God. Because he understands that you don't understand. But there is one thing about God that we need, to, we, we need to really understand. And that is how God does math. God is so much bigger than we ever give him credit for. They're going to go battle the Midianites. And if you read the story, there, there's this, there's going to be, remember all those people that were coming, destroying their crops, destroying everything, killing all their sheep, killing all their cattle. Everybody was, there was, they're just being overrun. This is the group that God is sending them to fight. And God says, ah, Gideon, we got, we got a few too many people in the army right now. Let's, let's cut it back a little bit. I'll tell you what. Tell everybody that's scared to go to battle, they can go home. If you're scared, go ahead, leave. 22,000. You talk about a mass exodus. 22,000 people said, deuces, I'm out. There's no way I'm going to fight these people. You're crazy. Get it? You want us to go fight those people beating us up? They've been being beat up and bullied by them for seven years. I'm not taking that on. <laughs> so now we're down to 10,000. Remember, Gideon has had to go through some struggles to trust God, right? We all, we all remember that. We've been through that, right? God says, ah, ah, Gideon, that's still too many. What I, what I want you to do is I want you to take them down to the creek and have them get a drink. And the ones that reach down and get the water and bring it up to it and lap it out of their hands like dogs, I want you to keep them. And the people that get down on their knees and drink right out of the stream, I want you to get rid of them. They're careless. 9,700. 
get down on their knees and go, they're left with 300. 300. Gideon and 300 people. We're going to go fight the Midianites. You know why? Because God plus one. God plus one is a majority anywhere you go. There's no number of people that can get in God's way when God stands up. When God arrives and when God decides he's going to do something, there's nothing that can stand in his way. The Midianites were nothing for God. He didn't even need 300. And God said, I'm going to get rid of all of these people. I'm going to to show you that it's me. It's the power that I have that's going to destroy these people. It has nothing to do with you. It's me. I'm the one that has the power. I'm the one that has the knowledge. I'm the one that will make the difference. I don't want you to think that you did it because I want you to trust me. Because I want you to believe that I am the person that I've said I am. Because I want you to know that it wasn't anything you did that caused this to happen. I want you to know that it's me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And and I want to just share with you this last year for us as a family in, in, in our work. I've spent many years... I, I spent many years thinking that I was doing what God didn't want me to do by being a police officer and not being a pastor. Um, and some people have told me I'm crazy. And uh, this last year has kind of shown me, shown me that that's true. Everyone knows COVID started in March and anybody that has any connection to any sort of human resources work at work knows it's been a nightmare because every, nobody wants to go to work and everybody wants to be paid without going to work. And so we had to figure out how we were going to keep people safe, still get jobs done and all of that stuff. So we started that in March. On July 4th, Anthony Dia was shot and killed in the line of duty. And they looked to me to plan the funeral. Thousands of people. We, we filled <clears throat> Savage Arena. Thousands of people to prepare for. In August, a friend of mine had a stroke while he was on vacation with his family in Tennessee and died. And they didn't have a church, and they asked me to plan the funeral. Thanksgiving Day, another friend of mine, Kevin Dumas, could have been a bully as big as he was, was working out with his daughter, was doing lunges and a workout with his daughter in their home. And they took a break and she went to get a drink of water and came back. Her dad had had a massive heart attack and died. And they asked me to plan the funeral. Thanksgiving Day, 
The week between January 11th and January 15th, I had some conversations with some friends. And I said, you know, I've got nothing. I spent. I know God is real. not exactly sure what all is going on. And I'd really like to give up. And I wrestled with that. January 18th, Martin Luther King Day. I'm at home. I have two phones. My wife makes fun of me. I have two phones, one for work and one for personal. I didn't have my work phone with me and my personal phone rang and a captain that I'm friends with called and she said, we just had another one shot. He's probably not going to make it. And Brandon Salker was shot in the head and died that night. And they asked me to plan the funeral. And after the funeral on Tuesday, I worked Wednesday through Friday. The chief told me I could have Monday through Wednesday off of the next week. And that next week, at the end of those three days, my my mother-in-law went in the hospital. Took a turn for the worse. And she passed away that Friday. wife, my daughter, and the rest of the family are struggling. <laughs> and I'm struggling in planning a funeral. And looking at God and, and saying, this, this is unfair. This isn't right. You're cruel. But God reminded me. In spite of all of that, just just how good I have it. Because I have a wife and three beautiful daughters that love me dearly. Way more than I deserve. I have parents that are in their 70s and still send me text messages the morning before I preach to say we're praying for you. I've got a solid job. I I got a little grandbaby I got to see a couple weeks ago. She just had her second birthday. I got, I got another grand nugget on the way. But more than all of that, I've got a Savior. I've got a God that says, no matter what it looks like down here on earth, Brian, no matter what you go through, 
Because someday, someday, you're going to stand before me and you're going to stand face to face with me. And you're going to see that I was real. And you're going to spend your eternity with me. (laughs) And all this crud is going to be gone. Man, man, I, I want that. I, I, I want that to happen sooner than later. That same God is the same God that offers to you the same thing. He says, this, this world might get tough. This world might stink, actually. But hold on to me. Hold on to your faith. Believe in me because John 3.16 says everyone that believes will have eternal life. You may not know him. Today might be your day. You might know him, but it's been a while since you spent time with him. Today might be your day. You might be living strong in faith. Your faith might be bursting at the seams right now. And God bless you. And I'm glad for you. Hold on to it. Because God is good. Even when we don't think so. God is faithful. Even when we don't feel it. And God's promises are true. All the time. Let's pray. God, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve your love. But you've given it anyway. Help us, Lord, when we feel like you are not there. God, please give us a double portion of your spirit. Fill us. Take away the questions and strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.